Welcome to Inside the Nest. It's the official podcast of Kennesaw State University Athletics. I'm your host, Nolan Alexander, and today we catch up with KSU grad, the defending WNBA Coach of the Year, and current head coach and general manager of the Chicago Sky, James Wade. I spoke with James earlier in the month of May about his current quarantine in France, what it was like to get ready for the WNBA draft virtually, and how that wasn't a strange thing for him his upbringing in Memphis, how he attended KSU as a walk-on and what it took to even get to that point, and then his rise in a span of less than a decade from being an intern to being the WNBA's Coach of the Year. Inside the Nest is brought to you by Fifth Third Bank, the official bank of Kennesaw State Athletics. Fifth Third Bank, working hard to make banking a fifth third better. Visit 53.com for more information. I loved getting to know James Wade, and I think you're going to feel the same way. So let's go Inside the Nest with James Wade. James, thanks so much for joining us today. Are you still at your home uh, across the pond in southern France? Yes, I am. I'm here and um, just, you know, trying to make a best out of out of uh, a, a tough situation. So we're enjoying the sun and, and just, you know, just profiting from good weather. You know? What does social distancing and quarantining look like in France? Uh, right now they have everybody on, on a lockdown. Uh, you can go out to the store or to the pharmacy, uh, but you have to have like a paper that you filled out to let people know where you're going. And you can uh, exercise. You have the right to go out and exercise, but you can't leave one more than one kil kilometer away from your home. Uh, and on May the 11th, in certain regions, uh, you know, uh, our region will be one of them. They're going to ease you off the restrictions. So you're going to be able to go out and about and do some things. And uh, so it's, you know, um, this, and they're going to open uh, high schools. So certain high schools and you'll be able to be the older kids to be able to go back to school. And uh, so they're just going to, it's going to be a gradual ease out, out of this thing. And uh, I guess, you know, we'll, we'll see what's next. Obviously this is a big point in the WNBA calendar. You had to get ready for the draft virtually. What was that like? Well, for me, um, it was it was it was pretty normal for me. I'm I'm one of the only coaches that actually uh, works in the off season. I, I coach a, a, a team in Europe uh, in Euro League uh, during the off season. So last year we were in the Euro League Final Four. That's the big competition, and uh, I had to do it virtually uh, from there. And uh, so this was a little bit easier for me. You just you know. Everybody's on Zoom call. You have all the coaches around and, you know, we're on video and we're, you know, just it's, it's just like a, it's a virtual war room. And so, you know, um, we just prepare and, and um, you know, try to do as much as we can without actually being in the same room, but seeing each other. And, you know, uh, I think the most challenging thing is um, I'm up to like four o'clock in the morning. Uh, everybody else is on on, on the eastern eastern. Uh, Eastern or Central Standard Time. Uh, so for me, that was the only challenging part, but I've done it before, so it's okay. 
Okay, so minus that maybe advantage James Wade in Chicago Sky when it came to doing everything virtual. Yeah, because everybody else was a rookie. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was I was I was the only veteran in the draft, so and uh, I think I think that helped us. I think we had the best draft, but we'll see. You picked up with the eighth overall pick, Ruthie Hebert, who I'm not even going to say arguably. I think is the most consistent player in college basketball that we have seen in quite some time. She has the NCAA record for 33 straight baskets. That tops men's and women's basketball. What's the closest you've ever come to making 33 straight hoops? Uh, at the free throw line, maybe. <laughs> but uh, making 33 straight hoops, I, I, don't, I don't know. That's, that's a tall tale. I mean, especially against competition, against the, you know, the good competition in the Pac-12. And, uh, you know, when everybody's keying on you and being one of the best players on your team. To actually do that in in the light of everything was uh, for for us. We didn't know how she got to us, but if you know if you can bring even half of that consistency to the WNBA, sixteen to seventeen shots in a row, then we'll we'll be fine. <laughs> so your roots are in the town of Memphis, Tennessee, and I read starting out you had trouble making the high school basketball team. Is that true? Yeah, I did. I I actually did, and um, it was it was. It was a challenge uh, because, you know, I, I came from a family of basketball players, and uh, I'm 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 five nine on a good day, uh, and all my cousins were six five and over, and we they all we all went to the same high school, and so the biggest letdown was I was always the small one, but the the you know like my I come from a family known for height, so they look at me like what can you bring and. Uh, uh, so, you know, my first couple of years, it, it was tough. It was tough uh, playing. And then after I, I broke through my junior and senior year, and um, I still wasn't where I, I wanted to be. So um, I went to Middle Tennessee State and I walked on there. And um, I didn't like the life of a walk-on, so I transferred out. And um, I, I ended up, uh, surprisingly, at, at Kennesaw State a couple of years later on scholarship. And I was actually playing with one of my cousins there. And, um, it's just everything seemed to blossom from there. I, I was a late bloomer, but, you know, it, it worked out well within itself. I read that you walked on as a sophomore at Middle Tennessee State. Is that yeah. true? And if so, what happened freshman year? Uh, well, actually, so when I was in high school, they had, they had these, all these rules. And I had a really high ACT score. Uh, but uh, my GPA was below a 2.5. And my total GPA was was good, but my my GPA in the three like science, uh, math, and English was like two point four, and that's what you needed to to actually be on the team. So I had to sit out that year, my freshman year, and um, you know it was a plan with the coaches, and and so uh, actually I couldn't play. My roommate, my teammate was playing, but that was a little tough for me sitting out that year. But actually, you know after the year. Uh, uh, went along I was able to make sure that my grades were right and uh, I was able to walk on and it was good do you remember something that was kind of the tipping point for you when you went from struggling to make the high school basketball team to as you said being able to blossom in the game and earning the opportunity to walk on at Middle Tennessee State do you remember kind of the, the turning point when that happened uh yeah I think um when I was in high school I, I wasn't that good uh, but after practice, I used to always go play in the gym. 
And during the summers, I used to always go to the track and just run. And, and uh, I had an older cousin. I used to run the hills with him. And um, I think uh, like, like maybe the summer after my senior year uh, of high school, uh, I just got this speed out of, I didn't know where it came from. I, I just, um, I started to, to, I started growing into my body like really late. And uh, I was just faster than everybody. And so that helped me going to the next level to go to college. And um, when I explained the situations to the coaching staff, they didn't even know who I was, but they would see me play. And, and uh, they were like, okay, we can, this is somebody that we can invite on our team and he's somebody that can hold us on. So uh, let's give him a shot. Um, I just didn't know that, you know, I didn't know the difference between being a walk-on and being a scholarship player. So um, that was something that was pretty interesting within itself. And, uh, I didn't know that you really wasn't supposed to play. <laughs> like you were just supposed to be there and support and practice hard. And if, if you know, in a blowout you win, whether it's in a blowout, win or loss, you play. Um, and I was like, no, nah, I, I think I prefer to be a basketball player. Like uh, I think it's something that's, I want to, I want to get better in this game. I want to grow as a player. So uh, that was like, that was the turning point is when I got on campus too, it, it, I started to get confidence and, and started to recognize who I was as a player. So how big was your cousin in your pull to Kennesaw State? I was, I, I got recruited by a few schools and uh, the coach of, at the time was Greg Yarley. He didn't promise me anything. And in actuality, they were going to, um, when I got there, uh, they, they recruited another point guard too. And he was actually supposed to be the starter. And so I was at home in Memphis in the summertime and uh, my cousin was who was in summer school at Kennesaw State. Uh, he was there with the point guard that was that was coming in because that that point guard was there in summer school. I decided to stay at home in Memphis and work out. And he called me and he was just gassing me up like the whole time, like like yeah, they got run here. He's going to start. He's going to you know he he's they got him here. They they're telling him that he's going to be the man. So and he was just he was telling me that trying to get under my skin. And so, um, you know, when I, when I got to campus, I just came with, you know, as a person on a, min uh, on a mission and, you know, it was all friendly competition, but I just wanted to make sure that um, the team was mine when I got there. Michael McMillan, he, he, uh, he, he finished in 97, I finished in 98. And um, it, was, it was a weird situation because just three years earlier, he was like one of the best players in the state. Of Tennessee and um, I was like on the team in high school but I, I wasn't a significant player I was just a you know a role player come off the bench and do whatever but once we got to Kennesaw State the roles had reversed um, I was I was starter captain and he he was he was he was the role player so that was like weird that three years changed that and um, you know it's something that we talk about to this day um, because he was able to see uh, how my game matured uh, over those, you know, 17 years, 18 years that we were playing basketball together from the time we were three and four years old up until we got into, up until we got to Kennesaw State. And um, so for him, it's something that we talk about. And uh, I appreciate that he was there supporting me and I was there, there, I was there for him supporting him as well. So you told me you're 5'9 on a good day. The roster then listed you at 5'11", 157. <laughs> I'm assuming that's an exaggeration based on your reaction. Yeah. 
It was exact. It was a big exaggeration. Like it was a big exaggeration. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm definitely not five eleven, and uh, that those were exaggerating times right there. And, and uh, that's when you know you had a few five eleven guys my size, but man, I, I, I'm I'm small. I'm way smaller than that. We'd like to take this time to thank our proud partner Coca Cola for being the beverage choice of KSU athletics events. Coca Cola tastes the feeling. Inside the Nest is also brought to you by our healthcare partner, Wellstar Health System. At Wellstar, their mission is to enhance the health and well-being of every person they serve. Their vision is to deliver world-class healthcare to every person, every time. James Wade is our guest on Inside the Nest, the head coach and GM of the Chicago Sky. I hope you're enjoying his story so far, and there's a lot more to get to, so let's jump back into it on Inside the Nest. Well, James, you had one of the best seasons in KSU history. In 97-98, the Owls went 19-10. and You went to the Peach Belt Tournament semifinals. You led the team in free throw percentage and assists. You put together a top-10 season in KSU history for three-point and free throw shooting percentage. How did that all happen? How are you so successful that year? Um, I, I, we, we worked. Like, this has been, like, my whole – um, I guess I, I'm, and honestly, um, when you talk to people who knew me a few years before that, that, that was actually a miracle. And the fact that I was able to play 13 years professionally, because I, I, I wasn't that good before that time. And it was just work, work, work. And, um, I, I would, you know, stay in the gym. Uh, we actually, uh, took a key from, um, our, our trainer at the time, Michael Red. uh, <laughs> And um, we we copied it. Well, I copied it. And so I would actually go into the gym at, at 12 o'clock when nobody was there except for camp, campus police. And they they were OK. They saw me going to the gym and they knew that I was locking up. And I, we would actually shoot to like two or three in the morning. Uh, and me and and we had these midnight clubs with me and, and maybe one or two freshmen. And um, by a certain point, like after a month, it was only me. And um, it just helped me as a player to be in the gym and kind of work on my game and kind of, you know, develop the way I wanted to develop because I, I actually wanted to use the game of basketball um, and because I loved it so much. And uh, I just wanted to play all the time. So um, I can attribute it to, to the work that we put in. That's incredible. If I'm sneaking in somewhere at midnight, it's not to go work out for basketball. It's probably <laughs> go to the Taco Bell drive-thru, to be honest. <laughs> So, as you mentioned, 13 years as a professional player, you had uh, numerous stops around the continent of Europe, and you became fluent in two other languages, French and Spanish. How did you do that? Well, it's actually not Spanish. I, I don't know where that story came from. I don't, I, I speak Russian, but uh, I so guess. So, French people, and Russian? Yeah, yeah. I guess people assume since uh, I, um, I, I spent some time playing in Spain, they just assumed it was Spanish, but. Uh, and so okay, I think me, Russian's even more difficult than Spanish. That's yeah. even more impressive. How how are you able to accomplish that? Uh, when I when I got to France, when I got to France, I, I, I played a couple of years, and I, I met my you know now wife, um, and you know she's French, and so I, I really started to appreciate the culture. And so after after my first season, I went you know I I went home during the vacation or during the break during the summer break during the off season 
And the second year, um, I, I decided to stay in France because I really like it. Um, I, I, I actually love France. And uh, the language is something that just, once you have the language in you, after everything else just falls in the line, you start to understand the people and talk and, um, you know, appreciate uh, simple things. And um, it's an it's a easy, calm life. And uh, so I, I played in France for three years. And then after, uh, you know, three great years in France, me and my wife, we both went to Russia. We both played in Russia. And uh, I played two years in Russia. And uh, after that, it kind of carried me some more places. But uh, just recently, like three years ago, I went to coach in Russia again. And uh, from that point on, I said, okay, it's time to learn the language. And uh, uh, I started back studying and, and it just it just came into place. And, and now I'm at a point where I, I go out in Russia and I can communicate and talk. And it's still not, it's, it's not, as, uh, it's not as good as my, my French. Uh, I'm still studying Russian, but uh, it's, it's good enough to have uh, normal conversations and things of that nature. And I understand Russian fine. So then I can write and read. And so it's good. Can you tell us in Russian, hi, my name's James Wade, and I'm a basketball coach in Russia? <laughs> yeah, okay. Привет, меня зовут James Wade. Я работаю тренер баскетбол. Impressive. Truly impressive. So in all your European travels outside of France, which you love, what's been one of your favorite European spots, whether you live there or you visited? Uh, it has to be... Uh, Barcelona it has to be Barcelona um, and and it's it's between Barcelona and where we live now I visited here uh, 17 years ago uh, Montpellier where we lived and my cousin one of my other cousins that played uh, basketball because <laughs> uh, I, I come like I said I come from a basketball family he was actually playing in this city and I was like I love this city I have to move there after after my basketball career is over with and it just ended up working that way. Uh, but Barcelona, going to Barcelona, is a, it's a beautiful city. Uh, it's actually three hours up the coast from, from Montpellier. And um, so it's, it's, um, it has the same kind of style, kind of feel. Uh, it's just that uh, Barcelona brings you so much as far as culture, um, people. It's a big melting pot. And uh, it's, uh, it's on the beach. It's beautiful. The weather's always nice. So what does it look like between you and your wife once the WNBA season starts? Does she come over with you to Chicago or does she hold down the fort in France? Well, she's actually, so she's, she's a general manager um, here of a uh, professional women's team here. And so after her season, she stays about a month to make sure she has exit meetings. And uh, my son, who's in, who's in uh, preschool, because they make you start school at three and it's mandatory. And uh, so they, he's in school to, to like June. And once her season wraps up and he gets out of school, then they come over and they, they stay the rest of the time or at least until her preseason starts uh, in, the, in the summer in Chicago. So that gives her a good three and a half months. That gives them a good three and a half months to actually be there and be supportive and, and kind of uh, be around with us in, in, uh, in, in Chicago. So two general managers – under the same household, how often do you agree on player evaluations? Hey, we, hey, it's, it's, it's amazing. Um, we agree a lot, but we disagree a lot. Uh, and I, and she has, she has my ear. Like I, it's, it's, it's a good thing that we have each other's ear and we support each other. And uh, we actually, you know, we, we bump heads sometimes on different things, but for the most part, we know each other so well. So I, I, I have to listen to her because a part of her, 
a part of her brain is a part of what I'm missing and vice versa. So um, she helps me out a lot. Um, and she's very smart, very intelligent. And um, I think we've kind of helped mold the way each other approaches the game and things of that nature. So it's, uh, I think it's really good because she actually, uh, she actually took a small club here and, and kind of made them do big things, helped them do big things. And uh, so I, I give her kudos for that. So um, I, the pressure's on me to always live up to what she's doing. That's fantastic. So you mentioned you met her in your European career and it was because of her time with the San Antonio Silver Stars. She got your first break into coaching. Yeah. Dan Hughes yeah. offered you an internship and then the next year he gives you a job as an assistant coach. How did you earn that after only one year? So, so my, my, it was, so when I, I met Dan, when my wife was playing for him. And so we just had a conversation and he invited me out to lunch and he said, Hey, when you finish playing, why don't you look me up? And we stayed in contact. I never thought anything of it. And um, so he, I, I guess he had an idea because uh, we had known each other for three years, but nothing on a personal level too much, just seeing each other talking and, and passing and, and having that, that deep conversation the day we had, you know, I guess it's it stuck with him. And uh, he, my wife has always been one of his favorite players as a person. Um, and so I think they appreciated us as, as a family. And um, when he called me and said, hey, you know, I want to offer you an internship. Uh, we thought, we, we thought, my, my wife told me, okay, he's going to offer you an internship. This is your chance. You wanted to go into coaching. This is it. So when you get there, be ready to give the towels to everybody, give water, give, if, you know, if the toilet's running, fix the toilet, like whatever you need to do, just make sure you, you let them, you know, know what your worth is. And I was like, okay, I'm ready. So, you know, we talked about it. And so the, the first phone call after I accepted the internship, he told me, he was like, okay, I'm going to put you in charge of player development. And I was like, hold on, what does that mean? He said, you're going to be in charge of our best player of getting her better. You're going to be in charge of this, of the offense of this. And I was like, I had no idea um, that he was going to give me that much responsibility. And so during that year, uh, we had a pretty successful year. I think we won 24 games out of 34. And uh, we were like a top two seed in the West or something like that. And um, he was like, you're too valuable. I have to keep you around. So he offered me a full-time job. And that was like toward the end of my career. So I had to choose. And uh, the choice was easy. And so I just tried to make the best of it. And I, I stayed humble and I, I continued to work. And uh, I just took that same kind of uh, work ethic that I had in college that I had growing up where odds oh, always stacked against you and you just have to do what you have to do, stand up to two, three o'clock in the morning. Um, and I just took it with me. And I think he saw that and he just offered me a job right away. Inside the Nest is brought to you by The Indy, Kennesaw's newest student house community. The Indy is now accepting applications for the fall of 2020. Visit www.livetheindy.com for more information. See what elevated student housing looks like. I'm Nolan Alexander, and this is Inside the Nest, the official podcast of Kennesaw State Athletics, catching up with KSU grad James Wade, the current head coach and general manager of the Chicago Sky and the defending WNBA coach of the year as a reminder this podcast is available on all of your favorite podcast platforms so wherever you consume podcasts on spotify iheart apple Podcasts, etc we're there so please subscribe and rate this podcast on your device let's continue to go inside the nest with james wade 
Fast forward to this past year, the Chicago Sky broke a two-year playoff drought, and you earned the WNBA Coach of the Year, first time in franchise history. That is spectacular from within a decade to go from an intern to the league coach of the year. Is there another secret besides hard work? Uh, when, you, when you say it like that, it, it's um, it, it kind of it, it makes me feel like I, I don't know because I don't take the time out to think about it like that. So you kind of rest in the moment. Uh, but I think a lot of it has to do with with like your family and the people around you. Like your faith, of course, but when you have the right people around you, when I tell you that uh, my family, my mom, my, my wife, how, how supportive they've been, I don't think if I had any other people around me that um, it would have worked out that way. And so um, I, I feel like for me, they made it easier for me and uh, they helped me channel like my passion. They helped me channel my vision and, uh, it's it's you know when you say it like that I never thought about it like that uh, that just you know seven years ago I was an intern or whatever or eight years ago I was an intern but um, yes yeah, it's, it's definitely the family and the people around me uh, because the basketball stuff is kind of easy but you know having people facilitate you know how you direct your passion and and where you put it and and you know uh, helping you see things clear, I think that's the that's I think kudos go goes to them. Sounds like we need to have your wife on as an inside the next guest. <laughs> she sounds like an absolute rock star. Hey, she's hey, she's one of the biggest secrets because she's so smart and so intelligent, and um, and and so you know, I know I I, I know I get a lot of uh, people commending me for the work I do or how they see me or whatever, but. Uh, the people I have around me, uh, my wife, my my coaches, uh, they're 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 unbelievable. So it's 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 really been a a, a great ride, and hopefully it continues. But I while while we have this ride, I'm gonna keep on uh, keeping these people around me. So great words there. This past year, they always say it's different moving one seat over into that head coach's seat. You know, you can think of what, oh, I would do in this situation, but in, until you're in that seat, it's different. I know you've been a head coach before, but what did you learn in your first full year as a head coach of a WNBA franchise and as a GM too, doubling up with that? It's, it's all about being prepared, uh, being prepared and having the right people and being able to listen and learn and being humble. Um, I was fortunate enough to uh, work under two WNBA championship coaches. Um, and it helped me out tremendously. Um, was fortunate enough to coach great players. Uh, and you can go down the line, Diana Taurasi, uh, Brittany Griner, Maya Moore, uh, Sylvia Fowles. You, you go down the list, Becky Hammond, you go down the list of all those great players. You're going to only be as good as um, – your your players are and so me being able to coach players that uh were hall of fame players it's going to help me get the players that i have to that level because i know what it takes um and seeing coaches and how they command the game how detail oriented they are and seeing that you know them, that helping them win championships and being a part of that uh it it shows you what you need to do to win so it it, it just worked out that uh, I, I was in the right place in the right time. 
uh, and being under the right coaches and coaching the right players. And I just, every lesson that I learned, I always kept it with me. And, um, and it's something that helps me to this day. Those players you mentioned, Maya Moore, Dinah Taurasi, Brittany Griner, and the likes, besides God-given talent, what all have you found similar in them? Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a drive. It's a will to win um, that uh, you can say it's unmatched. But other players that are great, they have a will to win. But they're players that can raise it to another level. And they need coaching that demands that of them every time. Uh, because they, that's how you get it out of them. Uh, of course, they have an inner will. But if you have a coach that's going to even, you know, demand it even more, uh, they're going to get it there and they're going to appreciate the motivation. And that's where you see championships come from. Do you have any stories amongst some of the goats that you've coached that you like sharing, whether it's on the court or off the court? Uh, I guess, uh, well, the, the one, um, so the, the one story is about uh, Sylvia, Sylvia Fowles. It's, it was, it's, a, it's a great story. So I was in San Antonio and um, a, a little bit like Dan had offered me the job to, um, you know, help a player come out of a, out of a funk. Um, Sylvia Fowles had came off a year where she was good, but she wasn't at her best and they had just lost in the finals. All right. When I signed with uh, Minnesota, uh, my goal was to actually, you know, help Seal, like be around Sylvia, help her, uh, help develop her game. And so I, I signed my contract in January. The season was to start in, in, in May. And so I, I called Sylvia. We had a long discussion. And so for two months, I watched every um, action that she, she played. Like I watched every time she touched the ball, every time she got a rebound. And it took me two months to watch it. And so after that two months was up, um, I was to go to, 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 um, uh, I was to go to Minnesota for the preseason uh, two weeks, two in two weeks. And I called Seal again. I was like, okay, Seal, I've watched everything. And she was like, are you crazy? I was like, yeah, but I, I watched everything. Let's win MVP this year. And she said, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. And I said, well, let's do it. And so when I got there, um, it, it just worked out harmoniously. Um, uh, and it was a year we, we did everything we wanted to accomplish. She won MVP, she won finals MVP, and we won the championship. And it was all because um, she was committed and I was committed to making her the best player in the world. And, um, you know, we, we reminisce about it sometimes when we talk, but um, it was really, it was really uh, a great, like it was really a great moment because I set out to, to have a goal and I know it was a little bit personal for her. And uh, it's something that we accomplished together. And so the day that she won MVP was like a really emotional day for us. Uh, but we had a game to play. We were in the finals and we had a game to play. Uh, but it's just, it was, uh, it, was, it was great. Wow. So James Wade, you've been a part of three colleges, three WNBA franchises, more than a handful of different countries professionally. You're a worldly man in Given your experiences, whether it's within the game of basketball or not, this is a bit of a broader question, but what have you found the same in all of us humans from around the world? Um, that's, that's a good question. Um, 
I think everybody, uh, it's a lot of things I've, I found, you know, from everybody. I think everybody wants to be appreciated. Everybody, no matter where I've been, uh, it's always um, a level of insecurity in how much you appreciate it by people that you work with. And um, that's something that I've always tried to uh, do is just to make sure everybody felt appreciated uh, and make sure everybody felt like they had somebody, especially in a coach or a teammate that they can depend on, even if it's somebody that, you know, I rarely talk to or, but sometimes you just want eye contact to say, Hey, you okay. Or, or whatever. So, and I think that's in every country I've played in and, and every team that I've coached, um, everybody on the team uh, wants to feel that appreciation. And uh, once you have that uh, in your organization, it builds for a great culture. What's next for you in the WNBA? I know this is an answer that you may not have right now, but as far as some of the next steps, how are you approaching this time? Uh, right now I'm, I'm having, uh, we're having meetings uh, often with the coaches. Uh, I'm having meetings with, with, with the team and players, personal, you know, personal meetings and things like that. Um, we're, we're, we're waiting this thing out to see what's, what's going to happen. And um, we're hoping the world gets into a better place and, and they're trying to, you know, maximize the time we have by, trying to find solutions to, you know, how we can get our product out there. Uh, as, as for me personally, uh, I, I, I try to do everything to win. I, I just, I want to win a championship. So I, and I can't say championships until, you know, I, I say, okay, I want to win a championship as a head coach. And uh, uh, that's, that's my ultimate goal right now. And, and that's what we're trying to deal, deal for. And, and, and uh, that's, that's where I'm trying to get through this maze of that's my finish line is, is winning a championship. Well, I'll be honest with you, James, if the sky hoists the trophy at the end of the year, I think it plays into really your history of how the odds have kind of been against you. It hasn't been the easiest path, but you found ways to prove a lot of people wrong. So we're cheering for you in the sky this year. Best of luck. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Anything else you want to leave off with an open floor? Uh, I mean, you know, I, I, I appreciate this, this podcast. I appreciate everybody that, you know, really supports the WNBA. Uh, I think it's a great product and I think we have the best players in the world and, um, and they, they do everything they do. Uh, they do for the fans. Um, and I, I'm just along, I'm just along for the ride. I'm just a small piece of the puzzle along for the ride. James, thank you so much for your time and best of luck this year. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Be safe. A big thanks to James Wade for joining us on Inside the Nest. It's brought to you by Fifth Third Bank, the official bank of Kennesaw State Athletics. Fifth Third Bank, working hard to make banking a fifth third better. Visit 53.com for more information. If you enjoyed hearing James Wade's story on Inside the Nest, please rate this podcast and subscribe. It releases every single week covering the 1KS community. I'm Nolan Alexander. Thanks again for listening with us today, and go out.